When your job is not primarily teaching, how do you shift gears when you need to prepare to go into the pulpit? And how do you take your opportunities to lead up and affect church culture? Packing a go bag for preaching prep if the office is not a productive place. Finding an experienced pastor to train you as a teacher. And did you know that one Sunday of the year is 2% of your job? On this episode of The Teaching Pastor, we have a conversation with Ryan Zellner, pastor at Grace Fellowship Church in Costa Mesa. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Teaching Pastor podcast. And um, I'm here here in the living room, the living room with um, Ryan Zellner. How are you today, Ryan? Uh, I'm doing good. Thank you for inviting me out to my own living room. Although the living room, just for your listeners' education, is our overflow room at our church, Grace Fellowship Church, but we've turned it into a place with couches and currently has an art exhibit, flat screen TV, and fake succulents. Yeah, so in e- on Easter, this was just full of chairs. That's right. Because, you know, overflow. Exactly. But now but now we're it's, uh, it's like, again, mid-century modern. That seems to be the... Uh, the movement. We're very chic, and uh, too bad you weren't here for when we had to move these big eight-foot-long couches out of the room. They're pretty big. So, And you guys do staff meeting in here, right? We do, yes. So this has become, uh, we've gotten rid of kind of the boardroom table, and we've put in couches and just de-escalated the, <laughs> the traditional staff meeting. Cool. Now, the, the, the bit of trivia about you, Ryan, is... Um, Listeners don't know, but it is Ryan Zellner who has basically enabled this podcast to to launch. Wow. Yeah, because it was Ryan, and this is I think this is the story. You found a you found like a, a $180 Yeti microphone. That's right. At a at a at a rummage sale. Yes. For like 40 bucks. Oh, l- half that. Half. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then you. you I think I was the, generous uh, at the twenty dollars range. And then you made the mistake of telling me about that. That's right. That's right. And so the the joke was that we were co-parenting the Yeti microphone. There was a custody battle, and I do believe <laughs> that you ended up with my microphone. <laughs> I did solid ninety percent of the time. Pretty if if we were shared custody, an Amber Alert would have been issued. I got maybe some weekends, most holidays. <laughs> Other than that, it was your mic. The visitation rights. We need we yeah, it was a custody battle. But now that the 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 setup has changed, um the 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 Yeti is back in your possession. Oh, and you've far surpassed me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but you have you have uh, plans on, uh, and we'll talk uh, maybe at, at the end. But you have some plans on a podcast. But let's 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 save that to the end, and um, and let's let's get get to it. Now we're here at Grace Fellowship Church. Yes. And what is your role here at Grace Fellowship Church? So my title is Mission and Integration Pastor. So uh, Mark, my boss, and Dave, they they were very generous. They said you get to pick your title. So I was very intentional with those words. So it's not missions with an S, but it's mission. What is the mission of the church? And then integration uh, would be something where we, I cover everything from when people are coming in. Uh, We do a thing called the bridge, which is four weeks of dinners and conversations every Tuesday. And then um, also into home groups. So we want to take people who uh, feel like they're attending. We want to move them to belonging. And part of that belonging is in our small groups, which we have various kinds. But I'm personally in charge of the home group. 
Okay. Now, what I'm excited about about this podcast with you, Ryan, is um, teaching is not kind of the primary thing in your job description, right? Correct. How often? How often do you get a, a crack at the pulpit, if you will? Uh, I have. We, so we have a deep roster. <laughs> um, <laughs> At, at Grace, I think you're going to find that I'm going to use a lot of baseball analogies. That's fine. Uh, That's fine. So our roster is is we got probably 10 to 12 solid people who, on a yearly basis, can come in and teach that is not our teaching pastor. So uh, Dave Gunlock, our teaching pastor, is not necessarily looking for new talent. <laughs> and he, doesn't, so, he doesn't need a bullpen. No, he's got a full he's, bullpen. He's got a full bullpen. So when I broke in... Man, it was like a big deal for me because who's this guy and why are, why are you giving him 40 minutes on a Sunday? Uh, so I, it's, it's not even yearly, but I, I did the calculations. When I do get to a yearly rotation, that's one out of every 52 weeks. That makes me a 2% teaching pastor. Not even like 1.8, 1. 1.9%, something like that. Exactly. Yeah. So your job description is 2% teaching. Well, you have other things. There's other uh, venues. That yeah, you so so I do teach uh, more than, you know, that would be the big leagues, right? right. The Sunday mornings, the big leagues. Uh, <laughs> but I, so I'm teaching a, a two-week series uh, starting this Sunday in high school. I'm doing our junior high um, houseboat trip, right. which is five nights. Right. Uh, I just spoke to our version of MOPS, which is called Blessing. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm doing a couple, I got a couple weddings on the calendar. Okay. So you know, I, I, this year in particular, I am focusing on teaching and and kind of getting out there, okay. so to speak. Well, what I like about what I like about this and what because I think that a lot of people who are who are listening are not the main pastor, the main speaker. Right. They're probably more in your shoes. Like they might get a crack at this once or twice a year, or get a couple side speaking things. And so I just want to talk a little bit about your process, like yeah. how. So what is it like to shift gears? Mm. I mean, you've got, you oversee a lot of different ministries here, a lot of different people. And so when you do get the, you know, the call from the bullpen and, 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 uh, and Dave does, he taps the right arm. He's all, I need a righty, you know, and, and here comes Ryan. I need somebody whose last name starts with a Z and he, and, and you get the call. Like, how does that affect the way you shift in your focus? Oh man, that's a great question. So, it kind of feels like there's a, an alarm going off somewhere and and I'm all of a sudden just hit with this like, okay, it's game time. So uh, I will make big adjustments to my schedule. Yeah. Um, I'm going to carve out major time. So a lot of, you know, some of the, the podcasts that I've heard, you know, it's, can we just sit and marinate in this passage before we do anything else? Can we move forward? And so um, one of my, that's one of my most personal times of growing is uh, my background has been youth pastor where I've been in youth ministry for over 10 years. And so I was consistent at teaching every Sunday or Wednesday. And so part of me moving into mission and integration, I lost that. And so I'm, I'm going back to those times where I've, I did see a lot of significant growth growth and that was sitting with the word. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I I would say I have to throw a wrench in my schedule 
in order to create this time of something that is not typically my focus. Yeah. What falls off? Like, what would be the thing that needs to fall off if you are going to be getting into the pulpit? Honestly, just, just uh, office distractions. <laughs> <laughs> I hide out. Yeah. Uh, so I have what's my go bag, my mobile office. Um, I run a backpack. I've got uh, noise-canceling headphones. I have... Um, either a laptop or an iPad with a keyboard and I can go set up somewhere where I don't need to make eye contact with anybody. I can get just kind of lost in the zone. And unfortunately, that's like my whole life (laughs) (laughs) and it's working (laughs) and it's working. So yeah. uh, For me, I've also made it really hard on myself where I can't stay any one place too often. So if I'm at a coffee shop two hours, I'm good at that location. I just need a change of location. And so I will move to another coffee shop. Uh, The same thing with, um, you know, you've, you've asked some people like, Hey, do you start on paper or do you start at the computer? Um, I have to start on paper and then to clarify thoughts, I need to type it up. Yeah. End result's going to be typed. But I find myself going from handwritten to digital back to handwritten to digital. And in that way, it's like a connecting with different parts of my brain, all of which I need to be working on a Sunday or whenever I'm teaching. And so uh, I give myself the chance to to diagram and and just chicken scratch yeah. and then it's like great that's there but it's not organized so now i need right. to go work on the organization part of it right. and then i'll go just write all over it back to okay now i need to put something that's semi like thought out legible <laughs> all of that so yeah there's no doubt i i i i get the idea of moving from you know the the handwritten to the to the digital and then back like I'll, I'll take notes right now. I've, I'm using a um, I'm, I'm teaching through Hebrews. Um, and so I've got a, I'm reading through Hebrews and I've got a moleskin that I'm just basically taking notes nice. in and then I'll type those up. But then I print that out and then I make more notes on the printout. Yeah. Um, and so the idea of actually moving to I feel like, you know, you're making a commitment to something once you type it into a computer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Do you experience that? Oh, that's, oh man, I would love to be able to just type things in a computer and never have to read it again, right? Like me and editing my own work, yeah. I have no problem reading somebody else's work and then going, oh, that that doesn't even make sense. But when it's mine, it's like I just, I'm typing to get it out of my brain right. so that I don't have to hold on to it. Right. And so I kind of just flood the page. I'm not committed to it. It sounds like you're committed to it. But I, I will print things out, scratch them up, and then I have to go back, edit it. And yeah. so I, I will never sit with an open document and edit it as I'm reading it. It's got to be on the printed page for huh. me. Okay. It's so interesting, and I'm sure I'm making myself work twice as hard. Yeah. But that's how it works. Well, it's got to be, I mean, you've to you you've got to find your own path. Like, everybody's got their secret sauce. Everybody's got a way their brain works. Yeah. I know people that are just all digital and they'll read screens. Mm. Um, I, I can't read screens. Like I yeah. actually have yeah. to physically use my hand to write stuff out in order for things to cement in. And even day of, like I've got the pages out. I'm like writing notes. You're writing the margins. Yeah, right, right in there. Or underlining things or putting boxes around things. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So, um, so you do your best work 
out in the anonymity of a coffee shop because you have a shared office with Children's Ministries. There are currently four women in this office that I share. So I have a corner desk and um, they make themselves at home and sometimes I'm not welcome and they make it known that I'm not welcome in my office. They just hang coats over you. <laughs> You're just furniture. Yeah. Oh, good. No. Uh, they're, they're great. And I, I said, guys, it's working for you. Yeah. I'm fine with mobile. Don't feel bad because I've, they've, they've given me sincere apologies and it's like, look, you're not interrupting yeah. my process. Yeah. My process, I'm scattered. Yeah. yeah I'm, if I'm here, I'm working on something that is not like to this level. Right. So, so talk to me about your go bag. I mean, we just talked about that. Like, like what do, what do you need in there if you're going to do your work and you're going to, you're going to get something done, you're packing up, but this has got to sustain you through a couple hours at a coffee shop. Uh, what do you got in there? Exactly. Uh, so I've got an REI, REI co-op uh, day pack. That's a nice bag. It is. Uh, you know what? So I'm I'm about two things in life when it comes to, to niceties, and it is backpacks and jackets. <laughs> Don't ask me why. I, it's like I will just – I'll go into a store and want to always look – at bags and jackets. You'll the, overspend on a... On I will a, always overspend on those two items. Yeah. I could care less about shoes or pants or right. anything else. So I don't think the last time I bought a t-shirt, like all my t-shirts are free, okay. like from like youth groups and stuff. Right. But jackets, bags. So I got the bag. Um, you know, in order to last out in the wild, uh, I got to have uh, my iPad or my MacBook Pro. Mm -hmm. um, then headphones are a must. And... What do you go with with headphones? So the headphones... That's something you can spend on, too, and that's not a bad... Especially noise-canceling. Yeah, they're like noise-canceling. So I, I'm going to sound... Come on, Ryan. Just let it I've, I've got the Bose Quiet Comfort 2. Excellent. Uh, Excellent choice. Those are, those are expensive. I, I Luckily, I worked it out with, like, flight miles, okay. and so I ended up... You don't paying, have to justify I'm just saying. Expense. I'm just saying. As a mission <laughs> pastor, I go on some flights... <laughs> So you've got the nicest backpack you can find, and you've got the nicest headphones you can find. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Yeah. No, that's, yeah hey, hey, hey. And there's no judgment. Yeah. I'm not judging you. It's, it's, it's a go bag, right? It's a go bag. Yeah. That's right. It's so what else? What else do you need? I mean, that's going to keep you quiet and productive. It's quiet, productive. Um, so I only use one type of pen. Do, do I sound OCD at this point? You, this is awesome. <laughs> one pen, and it, we're, we're opening. We're climbing right into your head. If it's anything about this pen, okay. So what, what kind of pen write. are you using? Uh, I use the Sharpie Fine Point pens. Okay. Where do you Where do you procure such an item? Uh, they're at your Staples. They're at your drugstore. Uh, Amazon. You can buy them in big packs because you lose them all the time. Okay. And how many of those do you have on hand currently? Three. Three. Yeah. In the bag or. Uh, I so carry one in my pocket, and it's usually two in the bag. <laughs> this is great. I love it. I love it. Look, okay, so you've got you've got your pen, and then you've got a little. Is that like a little moleskin that you're using? Or uh, yeah. So this is um, it's basically a knockoff moleskin. Okay. Um, but you never know when you need paper, and so you got to scratch things out. So okay. I'm using more and more. Whatever I print from my office, I will throw it under the cover of my iPad and keep it with me. And so those notes are pertaining to whatever I'm working on. So I can write, scratch on those. And then, um, you know, you go through drafts or iterations. So I'll toss the old one pr and, and print the new one, that right. kind of thing. So. Right. And what, um, what are you using to look at the biblical text when you're working? So Logos, um, 
Is that on your iPad? It's or? on the iPad. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's primary. I will often photocopy something from a commentary in one of our offices, yeah. and then that becomes one of the things that I'm looking at uh, early on until I've kind of, you know, once you kind of know your your main point, and yeah. it's like, here's what I'm trying to accomplish. You know, something had to get you to that point. So that's where the commentaries have, like, they funnel into the main point, and then you kind of know at that point what you're sticking with. The things that take longer would be the analogies yeah. um, or the application. That but the through. early part of the message, and you're looking at, you're, you're studying your, your passage, and you're doing that electronically? Logos? Uh, or, do, or do you have a... So honestly, like, logos, is <laughs> it's what I use, but... I have not mastered it yet, okay. and that's uh, that's part of, I think, my process in it, maybe because it's just on an iPad or whatever. But just learning how to jump back and forth, and yeah. and they've they've made it easier, and I, I've seen the ways. It's just not natural. Like as a designer, I can sit down in front of like Illustrator, and I can just naturally do things that you would say, "Well, how do you how do you do that?" And I go, "I don't know," and then I have to retrace steps. Same with logos. It's like. The intuitivness. I just, yeah, yeah. I, it's like I'm just I'm right there. I'm hanging on it. Yeah. I'm like, okay, how do I need to do it? And sometimes it's it's um, it's gotten in the way, you know. And yeah. it's like, okay, I'll just go photocopy. Yeah, this is so in my exp- and again, I'm I'm not paid to say any of this, but um, like accordance, I like accordance because I'm a Mac guy, and yeah. Mac tends or accordance tends to go with the sort of inter- interface that Mac folks are used to. Mm. Logos has always been kind of the Cadillac of the PC world. Right. Um, and even then, and even beyond that, like Bible works, Bible works. A lot of people love Bible works. Fuller loves Bible works. Um, but it, the interface is very difficult for me, yeah. um, because I just don't think that way. So mm. sometimes it's just finding the Bible software that, that fits the way you think intuitively. So mm. I wonder how you would, um, kind of navigate through accordance if you had a chance. No, I wrote it down. So, um, I'll yeah. check it out. Yeah, that's cool. Now, is it on your computer or and the tablet, or is it just on the tablet? Yeah, so it's the it's on both, and in you know all the things are in the cloud, and uh, I'm kind of a sucker for th- free things. So like yeah. uh, you know, Faith Life comes and and <laughs> here's the free book of the month, and then I'm like, yes, yes, and okay, I'm just slowly growing yeah. passively. You yeah, know? but it sounds like you're a little bit of a mix of the analog digital world mm-hmm. because you you're photocopying commentaries yep, right. and bringing them with you so it's you haven't gone all ebooks no no but you I, but you're an early adopter on that side yeah so the ebooks like i love it's so funny you know we have phones and and ipads and and then one christmas i just said like i need a kindle like i don't want to be distracted by anything i just want to sit down to read and and yet it's digital but it right. doesn't have all the bells and whistles of an ipad right and so I love, I have a Kindle Paperwhite that I carry that's also in my go bag. Yeah. And so uh, that's something that if I want to focus, I'll sit down and read on that and I can highlight and then it shows up on all my other devices okay. and I can search those things. And it's so much better than flipping through a paper book. Yes, it's got your handwritten notes yeah. on it, but anything I could do in a book, I could also do in my Kindle, okay. I, but I can't search it the way that I do with my Kindle software. So, okay. Okay. Well, that's, that's, it's helpful. It is interesting to find out. And like, I have not gone digital. There's, I, there's a lot of analog stuff. I mean, I do like my Bible software for searchability and all that stuff, but definitely, I'm definitely photocopying. I will scan stuff in and use it on my phone. Like I'll have my phone or tablet open alongside my computer 
And so scanning stuff in is, is helpful in that way. So um, when you, well, let's back up a little bit and just, where did you get training for all the stuff you're doing from, yeah, as a pastor, pastoral vocation? Yeah. So my story goes like this, where I was in high school and as a junior, um, I felt really called to ministry to my peers. And so I was a part of this Christian club on campus. I'm from uh, the San Luis Obispo area. I went to a Tascadero High School. And my junior year, the Christian club was like seven people. And so that, that was great. Uh, half of those people were graduating, and they were the like the president and the co-president. So they handed it to me, and half the group went. So this is like four of us uh, coming into the senior year. We had no clue what we were doing. And we began, I put in some friends that were officers and we began to grow this club. It ended up growing to like 350 people uh, over the next year. We did concerts and bands and stuff. But part of that was just open air preaching. Like we got so big that we had to move outside Mm. PA system. And I did the primary teaching and so that was like crash course. Like, did I probably do it wrong? Absolutely. Who knows? Like, yeah, no, but who no, cares? I mean, that's awesome. And and nobody remembers, but they, they kept coming. So uh, recognizing that I wanted to go into ministry to reach my peers at that time, high school, uh, that led me to, I looked at several schools, but um, went to Biola, mm-hmm. Christian Education. Uh, actually, I had this guy named Craig Hill hey. for a New Testament. Who's that guy? <laughs> yeah. And... And so I've been in several churches since graduating Mm -hmm. and I've been at grace for eight years now. And so the high school full-time high school guy, um, at a church called, it wasn't Terra Nova when I started, but it's called Terra Nova. Now we ended up going through a merger. And so training, it's interesting. Nobody cares what you're teaching high school kids. It's just like, oh, you're going to put them in a room and you're going to, you're going to talk about the Bible. Great. We don't care. And then you come into the the big leagues and it's like, Hey, these are adults. And like the conversations I have is like, we're, if you say the wrong thing, <laughs> your job is on the line. Not like, like, right. Not right. from us. Like as leadership, we, we love you and we know where you stand, but. But do you know that if, if like people hear something and take it the wrong way, then that's just going to cause friction. And and so we really care about what you have to say. And so now I'm coming in and where I was teaching weekly, now I teach like once a year. And it's like, yeah, but we need to see your notes ahead of time. <laughs> <laughs> in high school, you like, yeah, we're doing any whatever. Yeah, you know, whatever. Oh, all nighter. All right, yeah. let's go for it. You never see your your boss is never in there. Totally. Yeah. So, so, um, <laughs> so here's the process that I'm going through right now, um, and I love it. So, uh, Dave Gunlock's our teaching pastor. Like that's his job, and and he's good at it, and he does it all the time. And I posed a question. I said, Hey, what if you just trained? me and it could have been anybody else too there was a a time where some other guys were going and like and you just were passing down everything that you know how you approach the text Mm -hmm. how you sit with it what you do and then help me find my voice and just kind of i want to be your disciple in the teaching arena and he hadn't done that before and so it was it's good practice for him it's um, beneficial to me nothing may come of it 
Meaning, like, there's no set goal, like, oh, yeah. and we're going to split the church, and this is going to happen. Like, right. no, that's not right. part of it. This is part. This is the process for the process' sake. Because the one thing that I love is I, I do love in this teaching, and at the same time, um, he loves teaching, and so why not put those yeah. two together? Yeah. And I'll, I'll be the student, and he could be the teacher, and so. He had me read uh, this book by Andy Stanley called Communicating for a Change. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, and uh, that was the book that said it was really influential for him and that he wanted me to read. So we, we read it and discussed it, and it was it's great. It just really made teaching just kind of what does a Sunday look like f- simply. Like you have a roadmap, you know where you're going to go, you know that your main point, and you're just pulling people through this on this journey so that you can make your main point yeah. and you make it as personal as you can. And so the book was beneficial for me and I think it helped my scatteredness where I want to like be super creative. I want to like shock and awe, like I'm a super fun guy. So like I want it to be fun and light, but I also want it to be serious because I, I like having fun and I, I like, and I love the word of God. So can I marry those two? Because the last yeah. thing I want is somebody to be bored, right? So right. that's like kind of my right. voice in all this right. is like a plane that's going to take you up and then down. But if you're just up, that's no fun. And if you're just like hammering people, right. like that's not good either. And so we're just, we're kind of working on my voice of like, how can you stay getting people engaged and then bring home like sharply, like sharp as maybe not the right term. No, but, I get it. But yeah. bring bring home the point and it's like, wow, okay, that's really impactful. So everything that we're doing, Dave and I are meeting. Um, we're actually this week and next week, we're aligned. So he's teaching the same scripture this Sunday that I'm teaching in high school. And okay. we've met and we've um, talked about it several times, but we're on our own for analogies and everything. And, and we've kind of talked about the main points and we were in agreement on those and so it'll be fun because we we have different styles like yeah. everybody on the grace pulpit roster has different styles there's not one voice yeah that's duplicate which is really fun yeah no that's cool okay so bet so you did undergrad in um in christian ed yeah and now you're kind of doing real world seminary <laughs> yeah. i've always thought about this idea i mean i've heard of like the the real world mba like tim ferris has talked about yeah. the real world and I've thought about this idea. What would what would a real world MDiv look like? Real world, and um, and I know that there's some seminaries doing stuff like that, like Sioux Falls with their Kairos program, and mm. um, and obviously seminary is seminary. But you know, you're you've got this great relationship with a teaching pastor, and yeah. who you are, you you sought out for mentoring, right? Um, so what? Obviously, you talked a little bit about what that looks like mm-hmm. and and how that. Um, what do you feel like your training at Biola and, and Christian Ed prepared you for, and what has it not prepared you for? Yeah, it definitely kind of the, the thing, you know, I could have chosen biblical education. I, could, I chose Christian education because to me it felt like it had legs on it. So it was how to inter- interact with people, and, and ministry is people. And it's a lot of, like, two-page uh, reflection papers. <laughs> I was I was a, I was a Christian education oh, major too. I'm oh. out in, I'm out in everybody. I mean, I think my senior project for for one of my classes, I will not name the class. I remember I I remember I will not say his name. I lip-synced to Squad 50s 
rocking it like it's the apocalypse to emphasize this is my approach to ministry. You, <laughs> in a classroom. It, in a classroom is, setting. This is an academic assignment. I got an A. Of course you did, because yeah. you're a Christian educator. Exactly. <laughs> Actually, it's called Christian Ministries now. We're, man, all right. Strike that from the record, I suppose. <laughs> okay, but but they prepared you to lip sync, which yeah. is awesome. Right, totally practical on youth ministry. Yeah, it, yeah. What what do you feel like it didn't necessarily give you? Like, what do you feel like are the things you have not had to fill in? Yeah, especially on the teaching side of stuff. Yeah. So, weddings, funerals. Um, it's so funny. Just. Even the Lord's Supper, like how to approach the Lord's Supper. And that's something that we probably do monthly. It's not written in stone. Uh, I grew up in a church that did it every every week. So that looks considerably different than what you would do if you did it on a monthly thing. Um, but as a, as a pastor and as in teaching, like you're reminding people of why this is important. And so the heart and the approach um, that happens, how to talk to people about money it's um is not anything that i remember it could have been there um but you know kind of these more maybe more like this is important to church body life so how you talk about these things is very important um you know it, it was more like we were taught how to prepare and deliver a sermon and then you just enter in the subject but i feel like some of these subjects actually needed like a lot of care and attention ah. Yeah. So, yeah. So there's there's obviously research and there's and the I, I think the idea and you you kind of embody this pretty well is there's professional development that comes on this on the backside of an educational experience. And there's things that fill in the gaps. And you've been pretty intentional about reaching out and finding that stuff. And uh, and so you get some opportunities then to teach. Yeah. Um, so. What about that teaching stuff? You talked about like marinating in the text and, and doing stuff like that. But what are some of the things that uh, get you excited when you hear I mm -hmm. get to mm -hmm. to teach? And what are some things that make you want to like crawl up into a little ball uh, and weep like a baby? Yes. We all feel like at times. One of the benefits from teaching once a year or so is you get to kind of choose what you're most passionate about. And the last, last time, last time I was up in front of grace, it was so long in between, um, times that I, I actually had like two versions of this talk. Like I worked on it forever and then I kind of just let it die and I, I put it down and then, then it came closer and I'm like, I need to resurrect this <laughs> and I'm looking at it and I'm like, Oh, I got to change it. And so th that could be positive or negative, but. Um, one of the advice that I, I gave when I was in youth ministry and I had a guy come in, I just said, Hey, teach like you may never be teaching here again. Like you don't know when the next opportunity is. And there's a freedom in that. Um, now there's also negatives to that. Like you can't say it. So that my problem is, is like, I'm going to want to say too much, like go too long. Like you need one point. You need to, to kind of just go, here's my time try to make it simple, clear. People can walk out transformed and hold on to that. It's not, here's my time. I need to just fill it from A to Z. Right. Can't do that. But 
what is that one point? And if you had one thing to say, what are you going to bring? And so like I, I'm teaching here in August. I have no idea what that is right now, but that's my prayer. That's my prayer is okay. like, Lord, what, what do you want me to tell? Here's this body that I love, that I'm with, that I know, and I'm, I'm walking among them. I'm sitting with them in the pew on Sunday. And, and so I'm just like, that's constantly running in the background of my mind, even though I'm not teaching week to week, is, yeah. is what can I bring to light? That's and that's I guess that is the to think about the person who has a once or twice a year crack is this idea of being constantly in prayer about what does this community need to hear now at the same time when you then get up and people know like it's like you're standing up there and you're you're saying things that you're like hey nobody else sees this but I see this. And maybe we should talk about this. Like, do you? Oh yeah, yeah. You become the black sheep real quick if you if you do it like that. Because sure. the prophet, you're like, hey, do we really want to give the prophet an actual prophetic voice? Oh. You know, like, not the not the kind of the standard, yeah. But someone who an outsider, yeah. you know. And whenever the outsider enters into the dysfunctional family, mm. you know, they always are. Uh, there's always some kind of blowback or yeah. tossback. So, what has been something that you've had that you felt like you've needed to say? That sometimes you get it, it where that gets a little bit bristly. Oh, good question. Uh, so even even just coming here, I recognize that there's a. This is eight years ago being hired. Man, this is the church that I want to be at, even if I didn't work here. So let let me just say that that that's the love for this body. Man, so many good things about this body, but yet not perfect. Right. And so the way that my 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 mind works and kind of the profit portion of it is I felt like the Lord was saying to me, you're here to change the culture. And I was being hired as the high school pastor at the time. So it was like, well, how does that happen? Well, lead by example was the answer, mm -hmm. which cle uh, which I moved from high school to mission within a year and a half, which is I had no idea that was not part of the plan, and it just, they created a spot for me. Now, last year, added on the home group portion, and so in the eight years, my leadership advancement has grown, but for me, it's like, how can I lead up? Yeah. How can I lead up? How can I lead out? And, and where is God calling me? So in those things, I think um, even just being mission and evangelistic, uh, recognizing that we care for each other well, but we also need to care for those well that right. don't believe right. what we believe. Um, getting our people to think outside of the Orange County bubble mm -hmm. is something of like, hey, we are connected to brothers and sisters in Turkey, Iran, um, Kenya, yeah. all, all, all these places. And so um, those are some of the, the values that I've held. And then for me personally, I've got to look at my own life and look at, where where were areas that I was blind at? Mm. And if there's areas that I'm blind, and I'm thinking about this probably a percentage higher than some other people that are coming in on yeah. Sundays, then, man, can I help them uncover that before they're even thinking about it? And so one of those is like, am I thinking I'm okay because I'm okay compared to the Christian culture? Or am I comparing my life into the call of Christ and the biblical models? And am I making decisions based on what the Bible is saying, or am I doing it based on human wisdom? And so there's so many things in my life where I've gone, oh, I'm an 
idiot. Yeah. I just did that because that's what everybody should do. Yeah. And then luckily and unluckily, I, I, I got burned by it or my, you know, yeah. and I just, I was awoken up to the fact of like, like one of the convictions I, I spoke in uh, the blessing is like, okay, Christian holidays. Why do we isolate our own little immediate family to celebrate Christmas when it's a Christian holiday, we're supposed to be celebrating the birth of our Lord Jesus, and yet maybe we show up to one service and then leave. Like that feels like what we're elevating on Christmas is the family unit, hmm. not on Christ the King. And so, like, I kind of feel like hmm. if we were to truly celebrate Jesus, it would be the biggest day where Christians come together and hmm. rejoice and celebrate and serve and do all this kind of. But what we do is. We've abdic- abdicated. We pull back into our, our our winter homes, you know, and we're in Aspen or whatever. We we go around a dead tree, giving each other gifts, and we've already spent so much money on each other throughout the whole year, anyways. And I just go, this is the model that I fell into. That's my normal. How did we get there? I'll have you know that mine is not a dead tree. It's a fake tree. <laughs> it's a fa- even better. I have yeah. a silver tree. <laughs> So, (laughs) but no, I get, I get it. And so you're able to, I think there is a lot of freedom to, to be the kind of, I'm going to look at this from a different angle. Will everybody come and look at this from a different angle with me? I think that that every church kind of needs that voice. Not every church wants that voice on a week to week basis. Nobody's asking me for a week to week. (laughs) (laughs) I've got zero. In fact, I get the opposite. Sometimes we're like, yeah, we were scratching our head. Who who are we gonna ask to speak at this junior high camp? And then we, after we realized we had nobody, then we're like, oh, maybe Ryan should do it. <laughs> so trust me, I, I'm not popping up on people's radars. <laughs> I mean, you probably had somebody fall through even for this podcast. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Uh, come on, Ryan. I no, I think that this is this is a really look. There are there are hundreds, thousands of associate pastors out there. They're going to get a crack at the pulpit once, twice a year, and they've got to think, am, am I going to bring a prophetic voice mm-hmm. or am I just going to, like, or not just, but like there's, you know, sometimes there's a lot of freedom in just here's your passage. Yeah. Do the passage, which is, is actually a very freeing thing because Absolutely. I don't have to go through all of this. What am I going to speak on? What am I going to do? But I think that everybody's one, you know, you wonder like when, when, when you get like, oh, just preach on whatever you want to. Yeah. It's like the best thing and the worst thing of all time. Totally. And, but you have to go through this weighing of how much do I challenge this community mm-hmm. and how much do I comfort this community? Yeah. And so here you are, you're like, this is, this is where you're, this is where you're at. This is your life. And so what would you say to someone, other associate pastors out there? about that struggle. Yeah. Well, I think I think it depends on their natural bent. So mine would be I, I want to speak truth in love and and say the hard thing. And and I I feel like my approach is tend to be lighthearted but pointed. And so in that sense I can get I can get away with it. I, I don't get people mad at me, but I get people going, "Oh, that was really good." Um m- maybe that's where this associate is in their point and in that case they already know what they need to say they just they just need to develop it if they don't kind of like where i'm at right now where i'm like august is coming i have no idea that's where um 
it, it would be nice to say, hey, paint by numbers, like here's the scripture we want you to, to tackle. But I've been f- like, that's that's how um, these next two weeks are for me where the scripture was picked. Right. Now, I'm so surprised at how just getting into the scripture it is pointed. I mean, God God is doing something. And right. so in that sense, you always know that he has a message to deliver, which is the another encouraging thing I want to say is the jobs that I've had here and the times that I'm preaching, it wasn't because I've, I earned it. It was because God's doing something. Hmm. And I it's only humbled me every time. So if, if I were to go back to teenage Ryan and say, here's where you ended up, it would it would confuse me because teenage Ryan was like I'm gonna show that I can teach and preach and people are gonna like invite me up to Hume Lake and I'm gonna be a camp speaker and I'm gonna go and and people are gonna want to hear I'm gonna build a name for myself essentially and I'm gonna do it differently because I was reacting to um, teachers and pastors that I had heard or known I, I wanted to do it not their way. And so, like, that's so, so such a bad way to start. And yet, God's taken me on this path that's been humbling. So when I was mission pastor, we have missionaries here that have been in the field longer than I've been alive, and yet I'm the mission pastor. Like, one of the things that, that my boss, Mark, did was he said, hey, take six months just to learn. So I'm coming from that position of, like, just learn. And then as you're learning, share what you're learning, not you are the authority. And I, I think on Sunday, that's the one thing that Dave does really well is he's not the authority on this topic. He's merely opening the scriptures and saying, God's the authority. Here's what he has to say. Some of you aren't going to like it. And, and I get that, but we love him and he's, pretty clear on this and when it's not clear he'll say hey it's not clear on this some people say this some people say this i fall on this side of the line and so for me like the humility of all of it so if you're an associate pastor be humbled by this but know that you were called in for that one or twice two times a year and then there's something god wants to do and he can only do it through you like that's He's chosen that. And so there's a confidence and hu- a humility yeah. that you will find your voice. In yeah. That. The, so, yeah, you're not the you're not the first person to think you should be running the place when you're 18 or 19 years old. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. But but I had like 350 people coming out every week. You did. You him. did. Open air preaching. And, right? <laughs> and then then you go to college and nobody cares. <laughs> That's right. You were big in your high school group. Awesome. Awesome. Welcome to the club. Yeah. Now, so let's talk about finding your voice. Like what, what have been the, the, the kind of moments along the way. And I love the way you described it. And I think you're, I think you're really self-aware that you're lighthearted, but pointed. And I think that's a good description of, of your voice, your style. Um, how do you feel like you came to that? Like, when did you realize like, well, I'm not going to be so-and-so or so-and-so yeah. or so-and-so yeah. I'm going to be kind of this best version of myself yeah. and that's going to look like this. Yeah. It's funny. I, I'm trying not to know who the big names are. Like I'm, <laughs> you know, celebrity Christians, uh, jumbo shrimp. It's kind of like, I know. Ouch. It's yeah. Right. So, I mean, I'm, I'm intentionally like, I, of course I know who they are, but, but I'm not trying to, 
study them on that level. I do believe that we need to study heroes of the faith, read autobiographies, and learn from people who've gone before us. Um, But when it comes to comparison of like, oh, here's, I could do this. um, I think that would be really hard on me and it wouldn't be beneficial. Uh, Where, (laughs) so experience, right? So um, I got six years ago, started coming up front and doing announcements. And I think where I can describe my voice today is because of what has worked as far as being up front and communicating, which honestly, the secret sauce is when I don't try very hard, it works better. And when I try really hard, it doesn't, doesn't connect. And so I, which is, Again, am I doing it right? Yeah, like right. Th- this feels like I've fallen into something where I need to just keep it light for me. And right. and yet I have the ability to when there is like a shooting and a mass shooting and I'm scheduled for up front, like I feel like I need to yeah. uh, attend to that and acknowledge it. And so or somebody passes away like uh, I need that ability and I need to lean in. But that doesn't mean I become a totally different person. Yeah, and so, you know, some texts you'll get really hard hitting text. You'll get commands, or you'll get uh, just a, a narrative where you have to pull out different things. And so, it I, maybe it's applying how do how do how would I handle this in my own life, um, and then and then apply that. So yeah, I'm I tend to be if people are going to come here on Sunday and I'm teaching. Um, the last thing I would want to do would, would be bored. Right. Right. And yet I think the word of God is so exciting. And so how can I do my best to bring that in a way that at the same time they're like, Oh, I get that. It's not so like top shelf for me. Right. It's actually really applicable. And that's where like, I'm going to go to things that are easy to grab. And that's my nature. And yeah. so f- for them, I-, I want them to come away with like, I can remember this and I can do something about it. So that's good. I love, I love the idea of it is, it is a skill. You don't think about this as a skill, but like doing announcements, holding a microphone, engaging a, a, a community, doing announcements and being authentic about it and not trying to like, woo, or, you know, like it's just a skill to be able to communicate simply to people Mm. and let the pieces fall where they may. Yeah. I mean, um, I've seen people get up and do announcements and they, they have to make a connection with the audience until they, Ugh. and they just keep going. Cause the audience is like, yeah, we're not connecting with you. We're not connecting. And, and, and you're like, you want to just go up and take them off the stage yeah. and it's uncomfortable. And I think the idea of like being using those opportunities to get comfortable yes, is definitely one of the things that is a, um, a skill to engage. So I was at an elder meeting three weeks ago and the the elders are in this really cool spot where they'll pull in ministry, ministry leads uh, once, once, twice a year, just to give an update. How are you doing? We want to care. How can we pray for you? But one of the things that they, they started doing was they wanted to affirm. So they went, all the elders went around and they said something affirming. Yeah. One of them was just so you know, you have the best mic handling skills. <laughs> Of all the staff at Grace. I'm like, hey, Amen. it's from an elder. Yo. Must be true. That's right. That's right. You know, the other thing about you, Ryan, um, you are your pastoral vocation does not just end here at 
at Grace. You have a lot of ideas about nonprofits, startups. You have a very entrepreneurial spirit. What sort of projects are you working on um, either associated with Grace or beyond Grace? And, uh, and where can folks find those? Yeah, so I would say there's there's two things that I'm heavily involved with outside of Grace. Uh, one is Teen Leadership Foundation. God brought me on this journey where I was doing high school ministry, work, started working for another nonprofit. 2008 came, that nonprofit folded, and I ended up at Olive Crest for a season working with emancipated foster youth. That became this thing where God was like, you don't have a heart for this, but I'm going to I'm going to show you that you have a heart for it. And so that nine months uh, with that organization, it was so eye-opening to this whole other world. Like my parents are still together. Here's people without parents, and they're 18 now on their own. And so uh, I came to love this population. And so when I ended up taking a job at Grace, I was like, how can I stay involved? And I was led to Teen Leadership Foundation. They uh, work with high school, foster youth, at-risk youth, and then they now have an apartment complex for, for 18 to 24 year olds as well. And so uh, I sit on the board. Um, I do some of their branding and work like that. And um, they're doing amazing work because it's so replicable. And what they're doing is they're building up the church and they're making the church better. They're not trying to solve the problem. They're giving tools to the church and avenues for the church to rise up and volunteer. So that's the first thing. Nice. And we'll have that link in the show notes. Perfect. Uh, the second thing is, uh, a couple years ago, I was like, what is God doing in the music industry as streaming's coming out, album sales are going down, and bands are saying, hey, we can't make money uh, with our records anymore, and so we got a tour, but in the 80s, people were like, no, you only tour to sell records, and, and so it was like con conflicting data, and I said, Lord, what are, you, what are you trying to do? And so I went back um, to Mozart, Beethoven, and Bach, and found out that they were supported by um, archbishops and the local community and through this idea of patronage. And, and so I said, what would it look like if we didn't try to make money off artists, but we try to support them to continue to do what they're doing? Like any other art, the more that you do it, the better you get at it. And yet record labels will sign an artist at like 18, 19, use them up. Right. They're done by 24 when they want to start a family and we never hear from them again. So we're being robbed and and it's art so let's just kind of like help artists and i think the church is really poised to do this the best to send people out and to come around them and create communities around these artists and um treat them like we would a missionary so missionaries will go raise support go out do their work come back tell us about it have coffee with the people that are supporting them and say hey, let me share the story why can't bands do that so i started feed the music uh, it's a nonprofit that treats bands in that way. So we, what we want to do is um, educate bands in how the music industry is cha constantly changing, how to survive that, how to make a living out of it, continue to make music. And then we want to educate uh, people who are just used to buying music and then they're done. And your favorite band, you, you maybe gave them $3 that year because mm. you bought their album on iTunes and, and honestly, like there's better ways to support them in that. And so for the super fans or the fans that are really like, Hey, this music changed my life. We're creating opportunities for them to come alongside the band as a, a champion or a collaborator and so, be part of what they're doing. So cool. I love, I love that you're, I love the arts. I love that the, that you and the church are thinking about the arts and, um, particularly, you know, um, musical artists. So that's, that's awesome. 
Cool. Well, Ryan, thanks so much for being on the the Teaching Pastor podcast. And um, I think that there's going to be, I think there's a lot of people out there that can relate to where you're at. And um, and I think that that's, again, I'm not just, I don't, I don't want to find the Christian celebrities. I yeah. want to find the people who are doing the work every day and, and thinking about these sorts of things because it's not just the cookie cutter. We got to figure out how how people are engaging this. Yeah, there's a lot of us in the trenches, and we need encouragement. So thanks for <laughs> thanks for that, Craig. Absolutely, thanks, Ryan. All right. Hey, we hope you enjoyed that conversation with Ryan. If you'd like to hear a little bit of Ryan's preaching, um, you can find him at gracefellowshipchurch.org. There is a link in the show notes. You can also find some links to some other things that we talked about, like Logos Bible Software, if you're a PC person, or Accordance Bible Software, if you think like a Mac person. Um, He also mentioned um, Andy Stanley's book, Communicating for a Change. There's a link for that that'll take you to the Amazon site. That's the second time on the podcast that somebody has recommended that book, so um, pay attention to that. Um, Also, a couple things about uh, Teen Leadership Foundation and FeedTheMusic.net. Highly recommend visiting those and taking a look. Um, I really, really like what Ryan's doing with Feed the Music. Um, Some great stuff. And the music that we hear on the podcast are from, or is from the Pawn Shop Kings, which is on Feed the Music as well. So you can support them. Uh, Anyway, Ryan has some great ideas and is doing some great stuff. You know, if you'd like to help this podcast, uh, there's a couple things you can do. Well, you can go to iTunes, you can subscribe, you can rate us, but uh, best of all, you could write a review. Take some time and just write a review. Only if you like us. If you like it, great. If not, you know, hey, forget about it. Um, If you have any thoughts or comments um, or ideas, hit me up at theteachingpastor at gmail.com, and uh, I'd love to find out who's listening and... um, to hear a little bit from you. So um, appreciate you guys uh, tuning in and uh, this episode, more episodes to come, having a great time doing this. So we'll see you on the next episode of The Teaching Pastor.